1: you're listening to the hockey podcast network
0: new shows every day find us at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from
1: hey y'all Bayou Benders here to talk to you about the latest from our sponsors DraftKings everyone's favorite time of the year is right around the corner college football season to celebrate DraftKings Sportsbook America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard right. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on a college football game, no matter what. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and daily odds boosts that are offering. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable. Located right here in the United States, so it's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Must be 21 or older. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Corey, a.k.a. Bayou Benders, alongside Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. another episode of Habs Nightly folks uh it will be mason list tonight Mason is studying uh for the rest of the week for his final so uh good luck to Mason in that and truthfully if he could miss an episode it would probably be this one because we got about two new uh bits of information since the last time we talked but nonetheless we're bringing on one of my favorite uh hosts a former co-host you already know who he is uh we're going to be bringing on Neil Villapiana. And we're going to talk about, you know, um, the Devils acquiring Thomas Tatar and uh, how well they did in the offseason. So uh, without further ado, let's just get into it. Neil, how are you, bud?
0: I'm doing great, man. Uh, I believe this is the second time I've been on this podcast. And <laughs> the last time I was on here was not on a great note, considering it was just after the Devils had their uh, COVID outbreak and mm-hmm. they were out for 16 days, which was absolute hell. But uh we are I'm here on a much lighter note. Um, and basically the same thing, you know, I know on your guys' end, not much really to talk about right now. And we're at that point in the offseason where most teams are pretty set with what they what you know, with what their team's gonna look like going into next season. But, you know, we'll we'll see if any more moves are made, particularly with the Devils. Uh, you know, but I'm I'm really excited to be here and uh talking to you, man.
1: Yeah, man. So, uh, I mean, for us, you know, Canadians fans are a bit concerned. We still have yet to sign. Uh, Yes, Barry Kotkaniemi. You know, there's Mm. talks of possibly playing in the Finnish league again. Mm. Uh, But I think we'll get that signed. I think it's uh, it's it's too crazy not to sign this kid. He's only 21 years old. He's been he was the youngest kid in the league, you know, for his draft class. Uh, But we'll figure something out. But uh, but the real reason, like I said uh, in the intro, uh, we, we lost our boy Tommy Tuna, and, um, you know, I'm not going to lie, we did not really do great by him, and it might just be me, but personally I think uh the way that we kind of uh, found a way to just kind of off-put him during the playoffs. Now, granted, you know, if things are successful, you don't really change it, but right. Thomas Tatar is a, a definite threat player. Um, He excels on a first line, and I think that was his problem is that he had – he had such a hard time uh, getting a chance to do that again. Right. And uh, I think he – you know, I don't, I don't know where he's going to sit in your lineup. That's one thing I want to ask you. But I'm just yeah. really happy that Thomas Tatar landed somewhere, like another team that was really trying to do a rebuild or mm-hmm. more or less bring in components that that could be utilized well. Because I think that if you give him the time and you give him ice time, he he excels rather well, especially when you, you yeah. give him a shot.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, um, first of all, I obviously I didn't watch the playoffs as much as I did the year before, but I did keep tabs on it. I was kind of curious to know why exactly Tatar was not playing because when you look at Tatar and you look at the fact that he's been in the postseason before, he he's a pretty consistent player. And I mean, even from an analytics perspective, I mean, any anybody who's an analytic nerd goes absolutely crazy for Thomas Tatar. I mean, this guy has a tremendous wins above replacement, and he is a guy that you know, averages 20, 25 goals a year. So the way he ended his time in Montreal, I'm sure was not great. I'm sure Tatar would tell you himself that he obviously would have liked to finish that differently. I would have thought that more teams would have gone after him, and maybe they did. But considering that the Devils only gave a two-year deal at $9 million is actually a pretty good deal. I mean, he's here, he's here mainly to be that top six scoring to help out one mm-hmm. of – Nico Hesher or Jack Hughes. That's the main reason that Tom Fitzgerald wanted him. And that was the main reason why the Devils were at least at one point, and maybe they still are, but, you know, earlier this year were very interested in bringing in a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko from St. Louis, because we were looking for that top six scoring. And the difference to me, obviously between, you know, Tatar and Tarasenko is simply that Tatar has been able to play and he hasn't been dealing with injuries as much. Tarasenko has played 34 games the last two years, and (laughs) instead of giving up prospects or picks to acquire a guy like Tarasenko, all we had to do was give Tatar money. Now, what's really kind of surprising about the Tatar signing was simply that a week prior to it happening, we were hearing that the Devils were talking to, to Tatar and that they weren't really on the same page when it came to term. I don't think it was necessarily money. I think it was term. So I was looking at it like, well, he probably wants a long-term deal. Rightfully so. I think at this point in his career, he's kind of earned the opportunity to be mm-hmm. somewhere for at least a couple of years. So when the deal came out that he signed a two-year deal, I was like, hmm, that's a little interesting. I'm kind of curious to know if he got any other deals that um, were better, you know, long-term financially. I'm just kind of curious by that. But obviously, getting to Tar. Uh, is just another one of the moves that we've made that basically sends a message to the rest of the league that we are not going to be, you know, bottom feeders. We're not going to be at the doormat of of the NHL. That not only are we going to compete in the Metropolitan Division, but we are going to compete throughout the entire National Hockey League And that we want to make a run at the postseason. I think that's really the main goal this uh, this year, is to get into the playoffs um, and then try to make some noise going from there. And I think that with the additions of Tatar and other guys that we'll talk about like Dougie Hamilton and Ryan Graves. I think we have definitely um, upped the expectation and up the talent of this team, but, but getting a guy like Tatar on a short deal like that, knowing what he can bring to the team, um, I think is awesome. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do uh, here in New Jersey.
1: Yeah. And um, about, about the deal, like you said, I really think he wants to uh, to get root somewhere again. Uh, obviously he had, uh, seven years in Detroit, you know, he had like that 20 game stint in Vegas and then three years in Montreal. And I didn't really get a chance to watch him in Detroit, but what I liked about, it, if you look at his, 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 analytics, um, is that he was on two teams that were roughly, you know, hitting a low point, you know, uh, and he was still found success. He had, I mean, phenomenal years. I mean, he's, his highest has been, uh, 29 goals scored, but he, he roughly sits around the, you know, the 2025 20, goal mark, Right, And um, I just think this year was just a bit different. It was a bit off for him. But also, I think the two year deal, though, um, I wouldn't be surprised if you see an extension signing. I think more or less he was looking for a place to, to plant roots and a place that really could still utilize them because Montreal, uh, with the acquisitions we were making started, it looked as if we were, you know, easing, you know, some of these guys out the door. And, you know, it's it's business, but it's still tough. You know, we really like uh, Thomas Sattar. He came in and became a difference maker and it instantly went from a guy who, you know, played 20 games in Vegas and right. really never saw that much time to a guy that was on the first line and, and, and being the difference maker and, you know, being a fan favorite here. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see a bit of an extension because he really – it seems like he just wants to find a place – that will utilize him again and not, you yeah. know, brush him off. Uh, right. It was, I'm not going to lie. It was tough. Uh, after, after the Stanley cup, they did the, you know, the, the final press season uh, conference, and he didn't show up to his. And at that moment, like I already knew that there was problems, but at that point yeah. I'm like, Tom Sattar is not coming back, you know? Right. Um, but yeah. I'm not going to lie. I love, I love that he's in New Jersey. I love uh the next thing I want to get into is, is, you know, do you guys' acquisitions? Uh, yeah. New Jersey was was a was a fun podcast to host. And now it's a it's a it's an extra team for me to check out. But, uh, man, uh, I was talking to Mason because we actually brought up uh, last week about Thomas Tatar being with New Jersey and how successful we thought that y'all had done uh, in the offseason. I'm just I'm just really impressed. We you know, we kind of spoke on it and I said that. It was, uh, it feels like how we were last year, you know, we Mm. were making big moves for very nice, you know, very nice uh, contracts and stuff like that, especially lengthwise. Uh, And I just feel like you guys have really uh, like of all the people that were available this year, you really picked out the ones that could really make your team successful. And I I guess just from a a true New Jersey fan, I want to know what it feels like to feel like it was one of those off seasons that could have possibly turned this team around and got them, in a better direction than they could have even, I guess, expected as a fan.
0: I'm going to quote, um, a guy that I'm pretty big fan of on YouTube. His name's urinating tree. He, um, he posts a lot of videos for different sports and everything like that. He was doing a, uh, I guess you would say a free agent, uh, recap. And he said, and I'll try to quote it. It's, it's not hundred percent accurate, but I'll do my best. He says to think that the goddamn New Jersey devils are the ones having the best off season is mind-boggling. What kind of world do we live in? <laughs> and I think that that's pretty much been the entire reaction from the from everybody in the in the hockey world. I think that you know, especially speaking from the Devils' fan point, we've had many years over the last seven eight years where we've had some of, if not the most cap space of any team, and we've always been in rumors and we've always been in you know possibilities to acquire great talent that could come here and make a major difference. And for one reason or another, we just never made those moves. And it was kind of like, okay, when are we finally going to do this? And going into this offseason, Tom Fitzgerald, our general manager, made it very clear that there were going to be massive changes to this team, that he wanted his first year as the GM to be a year where he could really evaluate and say, okay, what does this team lack? What do we need to do this offseason and moving forward to make this team better? and he had a checklist, and he went through it very diligently. His first thing, needed to get a legitimate 1B backup goaltender for Mackenzie Blackwood. We had that in Corey Crawford, but he decided to retire before ever playing a game in New Jersey. So you go into this offseason, and a guy like Jonathan Bernier, who out of all the guys on Detroit was probably the most impressive you know, mm-hmm. considering how bad their defense was and how bad their team was in general, for him to have a pretty good year, a well over 900 save percentage and a less than three goals against average. I mean, very, very impressive. And the Devils <laughs> were able to give him a deal that was very good for him. Um, Berguet said he was convinced by Martin Berner to come here. And obviously that's a pretty good bargaining chip to have. I think when that's comes- also
1: a really great guy to, to, to you know, waiver whether or not a goalie wants to come or not, you know.
0: Yeah, and it's not just goalies, but, I mean, there have been several players um, over the past two years that have mentioned the fact that Martin Breder spoke to them individually and spoke about coming to New Jersey and what they could do to, you know, continue the tradition of playing for a team like the Devils. And another thing that I talked about on the podcast, and every Devils fan will will know this, but I don't think a lot of people outside of New Jersey actually know this, Um, When free agency began, Tom Fitzgerald literally put out an email and sent it to, I think, basically every single free agent out there explaining in great detail the organization, the ownership, the coaching staff, the development program, all the benefits of playing in New Jersey, you know, a great place to live, all of the opportunities that you have being in the metropolitan area. I mean, he basically put it out there and called it a first class organization. And we've never had that, where a general manager went above and beyond to really convince people to come here. And we had been hearing all year long, um, well, for the last three or four months, to put it more bluntly, that, you know, oh, the Devils are definitely going to end up getting Dougie Hamilton. Well, nobody in the Devils fandom believed it. Because, again, we had been in this position before. Any big-name player that came to New Jersey over the last handful of years came here via trade. You could go through the list. Ilya Kovalchuk came here via trade. Taylor Hall came here via trade. P.K. Subban, Nikita Gusev, the list goes on and on. We really have never been able to convince a free agent, a marquee free agent to come here. So when July 28th came along and we got word that Dougie Hamilton was signing with the Devils, granted, we didn't actually get the confirmation until about six o'clock in the evening, but still, the fact that Dougie Hamilton decided to sign with us is a thing that I looked at and said, this could be a franchise-defining moment. This could definitely be the move that takes us to the next, you know, hopefully great era of Devils hockey. And it's something that makes us all proud, makes us all excited, and really believe that we are actually finally going in the right, correct direction. And the thing that I think people need to understand is that there were a lot of big-name defensemen that got new contracts this year. Seth Jones, Kale McCarr, um, a couple other guys, uh, Miro Haskinen. And you look at Dougie Hamilton's contract, seven years, $9 million. It's actually one of the most, if not the most reasonable contract for a big-name defenseman out there. It's Mm -hmm. not completely killing us. And even if we have to buy him out a couple years down the road, it actually can benefit us because we have the ability to do so. Oh, and let me point this out. The Devils will earn $9 million more in cap space next year when P.K. Subban's contract comes comes off the books. So we are in a very good position financially, not just for this year with still $12 million in cap after signing all of our restricted free agents, but obviously, you know, just... You know, for many years, not being able to, you know, not basically not being able, but not spending money um, to finally do it is, is great. And then you go out and you acquire a guy like Ryan Graves, who the Devils have wanted for years. And to only give up a guy like Moltsev is really, honestly, a very good move by Fitzgerald. And then obviously bringing in Tatar. And you look at the you look at that checklist. 1B goaltender, franchise defenseman, top six scorer. We've completed all of that. So anything we do now moving forward via trade or free agency is a surplus. Mm-hmm. If we end up getting Terasenko, which if we're not, you know, trading anything worth of value to acquire him, nobody's gonna be upset about it because it's like, okay, it's seven million dollars, not a big deal. We could easily afford it. And if even if Teresenko's at 50% of what he once was, that's beneficial to our top six. So I mean. All in all, this has been one of, if not the best free agency um, year that we have had as an organization in a very, very long time. And Tom Fitzgerald has made it clear that this team is going to be much more talented and much more competitive going into the season. And I am super excited for this year. And it feels different than the year that we got Subban and Gusev and all them because we look at it and say – these guys are right now in the prime of their career. They're not coming off of injuries. And this team has a lot more talent depth-wise that hasn't even gotten into the NHL yet with the likes of Dawson Mercer, Alexander Holtz, Graham Clark, Luke Hughes, Shakira Mukamadoulin. We have so much talent in our farm system that hasn't even gotten in the NHL yet that this team right now and the future of this team is so bright. But now it's about getting on the ice and actually proving it. And I'm really looking forward to to that moment, but it's been a really, really successful and really, really exciting off season for us.
1: Man, I'm. Uh, I love. I love how how animated you get. Like you can just hear it in your voice, and I know the fan. You know, I know our fans of this podcast can hear it too. It's just like this is just a diehard fan, and you know, my cousin. Uh, my cousin's a big hockey fan too. Follows the Sharks, but when he was growing up, uh, he liked the Devils. Uh, but he, you know, there wasn't hockey down here, so it was more or less just like. Uh, I think he said he saw he saw like a sick move by a Devils player when he was a kid. And he's like, I love that team, you know. And then like <laughs> hockey kind of fell out of his life for a while. But uh, you know, I was I was hanging out with him the other day, and he was like, you know, what's a, a team that I really want to see successful? You know, to come back in, into the the successful you know circle again. He was like, uh, it's the New Jersey Devils. They made great acquisitions, and uh, you know, I just think a, a team from our childhood that that could that I'd really love to see back in it was the mm. New Jersey Devils. And I couldn't agree more. You know, uh, yeah. I just I just love the moves they made. And, uh, you know, I guess this is uh, one more thing. Um sure. You guys, Dougie Hamilton, first off, I think that was the best, other than uh, Kale McCarr, just because of his age and just what he's capable of doing right now, right. was the best defenseman out there. But Dougie Hamilton by and far.
0: McCart didn't even get the money that he deserved, honestly. No, he I didn't. Think he sh- I think he should have gotten more <laughs> than what he got. Yeah, uh, like a set, like a Seth Jones or, or a Darnell Nurse. Um, well, Seth Jones, the Seth Jones deal, just Chicago in general. Chicago just throws confusing. out money. <laughs> well, I mean, look, <laughs> they definitely don't have anything else going on right now that's of note. I mean, yeah. am I right? I mean, they're gonna, they're certainly...
1: gonna, they're gonna eat <laughs> it and have to move someone like uh, the DeBrincat or you know, like a, a, a Kirby Doc. Like all their useful yeah. up and coming guys always get shipped out because they it's, make these terrible contracts.
0: It's a confusing thing because you look at Stan Bowman and he said straight up that we're like, we're trying to rebuild, and then he goes out and he gets Seth Jones, oh, and then <laughs> he gets marc Andre Fleury. So the question is, is that I'm sorry, what what what's the point here? What do you and you sign him to an eight year deal? It's not like you're like, oh well, well let Seth Jones play out the year and then and same with Fleury, and then we'll mm-hmm. do a rebuild. It's like no, you literally yeah. got Seth Jones. You even traded for his brother to convince him. Uh, you know, to convince him even more to come to Chicago. And it's it's weird. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I think Kel McCarr should have gotten more considering his talent and his age. But, you know, Colorado was trying to get Landeskog and Grubauer back, and they only got one of the two. So, I mean, yeah. they just decided to give uh, give McCarr, I guess, the money that they were probably going to give um, to Grubauer. Grubauer. But it is what it is.
1: Well, per uh, I guess this is the last devil's question for you, but uh, per sure. excuse me, per daily faceoff, uh, you guys acquired both of them, right? So you got Ryan Graves, Dougie Hamilton. They have them yep. as the first defensive pairing right now. Obviously, things can can change, but right. uh, how does it feel, you no, know, uh, per you know daily faceoff that they have them as the number one defensive pairing in the league, uh, and it's two people you just picked up for beautiful contracts, like, right? Well, one for a trade and a pick, and then one for an amazing contract for one of the best two-way forwards of a, I mean, two-way defense of this generation.
0: I think it's, I'm like, I guess i would put it this way. I'm cautiously optimistic because we've been in certain situations like this before mm-hmm. where we have a lot of, a lot of hype and on paper, it looks like it's going to be phenomenal. And then it just doesn't. So Uh, I'm not saying that like I don't. I'm not excited. I'm I'm thrilled. I'm actually even surprised a little bit when I saw that from Daily Faceoff saying they have the number one, analytically speaking, defensive pairing in the NHL. It's like, huh. But you know, hockey more than any other sport, chemistry is such an important thing. That's right. And these two guys, I'm sure, are going to get a lot of time to play against one another. Uh, You can make the argument that Ty Smith should be the number one left shooting defenseman on the team. Because he could benefit from playing with Dougie Hamilton, mm-hmm. maybe they'll play them together on the power play and maybe some penalty kill moving forward. Um, but you look at that, you look at those two and you say both of these guys are going to take major roles on the ice and major roles off the ice. Um, Dougie Hamilton understands the role that he has coming here. Uh, he's a veteran and he's one of the guys that needs to be a vocal leader in the locker room. Uh, Ryan Graves, he even said it himself. He he's never seen himself as necessarily in that position, but he is uh he's up for you know doing it because he understands where he's coming from and what he has to do. And what what Uh, a great place to
1: do it is is with a with a group of 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 up and coming young young guys and a chance for you to to mold this new you know this new culture. So
0: yeah no it's a very it's a very good point. And I think that uh with Lindy Ruff being an offensive guy um I would like to see him try to get these guys especially the defensemen to come up more in the play uh you know like what we saw with dallas a couple years ago making that run in the bubble where they just Mm -hmm. have all of their defensemen come up like extra forwards and be more aggressive in the offensive zone i would like to see that um and you look at both graves and and hamilton graves is much more of a defensive defenseman than offensive which is great because we don't have a lot of uh defensive defensemen and he's going to be somebody that's going to be really good at blocking shots Dougie Hamilton just does everything. I mean, mm-hmm. he can—he's your catalyst for your power play, catalyst for your penalty kill. Can block shots, can take slap shots. Um, you know, you can put the puck in the back of the net. But he could also—he'd also get in front and really help his team and be physical. I mean, he is exactly what the Devils um, were looking for. And to get both of these guys uh, to basically upgrade your top pair, potentially your top pair with these two guys. Uh, is certainly exciting. And I'm hoping the chemistry works out and we can go from there. But all in all, I'm just super, super excited uh, to get going. And I mean, I, I believe training camp is like a month away, which, you know, feels like forever. But, you know, considering how this year, how quickly this year has gone and it's freaking middle of August already, um, It you know, the NHL season will be here before we know it. And um, like I said, I, I'm just really looking forward to seeing what this team is capable of doing, especially – in a regular 82 game season, 82 game season where we're not playing the same teams over and over again, and we get to play the rest of the league. So, and we get the, we get to become just the second team that gets to play Seattle. So I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm looking forward to that as well.
1: Man, that's awesome. Uh, Once again, thanks again, Neil, for coming on. Uh, Really appreciate it. Uh, Where, where can, uh, where can everybody find you?
0: Well, first of all, thank you again for having me on. Uh, big fan of you guys. Always keeping tabs. Uh, you guys do a great job of giving everybody uh, Habs content. I'm sure you guys were enjoying <laughs> the fact that uh, Corey Perry decided to join the dark side Ugh. after two years of not getting it done. Um, but that's besides the point. Uh, you can you can find me on Twitter at Devil State and also on Instagram at Devil State of Mind. And if you want to follow my personal accounts, you can follow me on Twitter at Uh, T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W and also on Instagram at N-V-P-Q-B-11 and new episodes of Devil's State of Mind podcast come out every Monday and Thursday continue to give you guys some really good content if you're looking for you know the most up-to-date news topics discussions and so much more about the New Jersey Devils the Devil's State of Mind podcast is the place for all of that and Bayou it's always a pleasure to talk to you man and thank you again for having me on no problem,
1: man. No problem. It's always a pleasure. Uh, as for as per Corey Perry, that man is always welcome back on the scene. I swear to God, he's he's a difference maker. Uh, it's just crazy. I never I never really liked him until he went to Dallas. And I was like, you know what? I like Dallas. You know, it's a, it's a southern team. It's yep, More or less the closest team I got. Um, and then he comes to Austin. I was like, damn, like he's just he's, he he's like such a new, difference maker.
0: Is he the new Marion Hossa where he's just gonna <laughs> keep going to teams, hoping that maybe he just wins a cup before he? I mean, I would get to the I'm waiting. I'm, I'm like, this man, I mean, I know he's won a cup already. Mm-hmm. I mean, he won one in Anaheim, but still, like, you know, it's he he basically decided, well, if I if I can't beat him in two years straight, I might yeah. as well join him for cheap. What the hell,
1: yeah? I feel like, um. Oh, man, I'm blanking on his name, but I feel like the coach of, of Tampa Bay, uh, John Cooper, John probably Cooper. told him the exact same thing two years in a row. Where, where are you signing? You know, where, where you want to play next year? You know, and I think it finally because uh, John Cooper is a, a great, a great coach. And I think it, you know, he finally was like, hey, man, uh, if it's available, I'd love to play for you. You know, uh, to do it yeah. back to back shows that, you know, there, there's something yep. great going on in that organization. But, um, yeah. you know, as we're wrapping up, looking
0: forward, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Gold Caulfield continue to perform because oh that kid yeah. is special.
1: I mean, I think we all that are.
0: Kid, <laughs> that kid is phenomenal. He came in and very similar to Kale McCarr. I mean, he just came in, no problems, no learning curve. He just decided, I'm going to come in and kick ass and take names. And I'm really impressed. And I'm, I'm not surprised because, honestly, if the Devils didn't have the first overall pick that year, um, I would have been banging on the table to get Cole Caulfield because this guy is phenomenal and he's still very young. And the only thing that I'm concerned about is will Mark Burger Van freak out and make another trade that is unnecessary, which knowing him, the gamblers' mentality, um, he will do so.
1: And he probably we'll will. see Not what happens lie. with that. Not gonna lie. But uh before we get before we leave, you know, uh wanna announce uh to, to just the fans and You know, uh, folks, I don't know if you guys have been around long enough. I know Habs Nightly started, uh, I think, to be the middle of season one of the Hockey Podcast Network, uh, just, you know, inaugural season. But, uh, folks, we are bringing back the infamous uh, THPN After Hours show, (laughs) which will be uh, hopefully uh, on a Friday and yep. uh you can hear it in Neil you know um, oh, these God. shows get very uh a, a bit unruly but it, it gives you a chance to uh, to not only just get a face on on who who these who these people are but uh you know we don't we don't tend to just stick on hockey, you know, as far as nope. this, these podcasts go, you know, it's, it's a hockey based show. It's going to have hockey in it, but this yep. one gives you a, a chance to, to get to know um, some of these hosts that are in this network. I think we're at like 60 something podcasts now. So, yeah. you know, we have a lot of people and uh, it's a great chance to, um, to just watch a bunch of uh, more or less drunken idiots.
0: Uh, Particularly you know, uh, hockey troll
1: yeah (laughs) hockey troll was super excited
0: to get back that's what you all want to see all you guys just want to see hockey troll just completely come in and uh and crash the party and destroy the conversation oh it's great (laughs) we don't even talk like i don't even think i think every time he comes in we don't even talk about hockey i don't even think it's brought up i think it's just actually we talk about um how good or bad his uh his roller rink hockey team is doing
1: right i like uh I think one of my favorite episodes is uh, is when they, they brought up uh, was Mark Messier like uh, a, a a truly revolutionary player, uh, and then it was like two hours of just shitting on uh, on on Mark Messier, oh, and then bro. the poor New York Rangers fans come flying in all pissed off. But uh, folks, that's that's basically what you can expect
0: uh, on these episodes. My control will, is just Tom Wilson 2.0, ladies and gentlemen. He, yeah, knows he knows how to break the rate. He knows <laughs> how to break the Rangers and he's going to do it all year long. Oh man.
1: Well, anyway, folks, uh, thank y'all so much for listening, Neil. Thank you so much for coming on. And thank you, man. Uh, like I said, there's not a lot, of, there's not a lot of topics. So uh, we'll probably, we'll probably head out here, but uh, Neil, thank you so much, man. It was great talking to you.
0: Great talking to you as always. my friend.
1: Folks, we really just want to thank Neil for coming on the show a uh, bit last minute, but, uh, We can't wait to talk to uh, the next guest I have lined up. Whenever we have him on, uh, he was going to be the guest tonight, but poor man is stuck in a hot car in the middle of a Missouri town, uh, just sweating it out because they're—I believe he said their tire blew—and as as awesome of a of of an episode that could have been, I did not want to put this man through more aggravation. (laughs) So we'll bring on our friend another time. But uh, folks, as we, as I said in the beginning of the episode, there just really isn't much to talk about. Uh, the start times have announced for the 2021-22 season, um, and I mean, obviously, you know, we're going to play uh, the Maple Leafs first. Uh, first game, October 13th, to be a 7 p.m. game. I'm sure that's, excuse me, I'm sure that's Eastern, uh, since that's where you know the Canadians are located in that time zone. But uh, I'd like to go more in depth into the schedule next week with Mason coming back. Another thing before we leave, I could not. Uh, I think I think Mason and myself would be a little upset if we didn't mention it. We just want to say uh, rest in peace to Tony Esposito. You know his passing was was a bit was a bit tough to hear, and uh, he was just an icon along with his brother. But um, you know, just want to throw it out there. We just uh, you know very sympathetic uh, and. Hope that his family has a chance to to get through this together and with as few bumps in the road as they can. Moving on, just the last bit of news. Uh, Adam Douglas has been appointed uh, the sports science and performance director. Uh, This is a guy who came from, if I'm not mistaken, was working with uh, the Canadian team. He was working with the team for uh, Men's World Juniors. uh, The last Olympics that the boys were a part of, which was uh, Sochi 2014. Uh 20 2012 Women's World Cup. Uh just another another person added to the group that uh is gonna bring a, a great bit of experience to this. Uh I mean you guys probably know a lot more about him than I do with him being so involved with Hockey Canada, you know, on the on the national stage and stuff like that. But uh, that that's it, folks. Uh thank y'all so much for listening. I understand it's a probably a bit of a short episode, a bit of a wonky fucking episode because it's just me talking. We do have a voicemail, but we will save it for next episode because I want Mason to be a part of that as well. We want to thank you guys again for doing the voicemails for us. If you would like to leave a voicemail, it's a ninety-second thing. You can do it on your phone. You don't have to call. That way, it's not taking anything out of your bill. It's a free service. You can find it at www.speakeasy. I'm sorry, speakpipe/habsnightly.com. And you can just leave us a message and we'll play it on there for you guys. But, uh, folks, anyway, thank you all so much for listening. This has been Habs Nightly. You can find us at Habs Nightly on Twitter and Bayou Benders. You guys have a great night. We'll talk to you all soon. You're listening
0: to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.